Welcome to the Weekly Hijack. Hello! Hi. Special edition. We are here to talk about Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. Um, unfortunately, we're a little late to the game, but you know, this gave you, the listeners, a chance to go watch it all before uh, listening to this. So before you've completely deleted your Netflix account and uh, converted over to Disney+, Plus, all hail our new overlords. <laughs> well, and Tim would have been ready. Way, we just, Natasha and I had... We were slow getting it done. <laughs> hey, you got kids, so you got a good excuse. Um, before we get into uh, the actual movie, I thought it'd be interesting to, to talk about our history with Dark Crystals in the movie mm-hmm. before the the TV series. Now, Natasha, you had not watched the movie at all, have you? No, I had no prior experience. Nope. So that that'll be an interesting perspective. Personally, longtime listeners of our podcasts will know that I'm a, a big Jim Henson fan. But I've always had kind of a complicated history with The Dark Crystal. When I first was really getting to know Jim Henson, following him in high school, it was probably before I had even really gotten into fantasy. I was not really big into fantasy growing up, aside from Narnia. That was about, you know, in Disney fairy tales. That was about the extent of it. I was not a huge fan of that kind of stuff. And so when I saw, first heard about this Dark Crystal stuff, I was like, eh, I'm not sure I'm into that. But uh, I wound up, for my freshman expository writing class, I decided I was going to do it, my main paper on Jim Henson. I was like, well, it's probably a good time to see this. I was getting to fantasy more at that point, having read Lord of the Rings, like my senior year of high school. I was learning a lot. And so I remember, actually, the first time I watched Dark Crystal was uh, with you, Nick. Okay, I, I remember we would watch that. and In your tiny dorm room. My that, tiny dorm room. The the one that you used as a lounge. Yeah, that was, we had two ha- tiny ones yeah. that went together. And we had a sleeping room and a lounge-ish room. Yep. And your s- tiny square TV. Nice. Which is probably did not do it justice, honestly. Probably not. But it was still <laughs> kind of a uh, mind-blowing experience. I mean, this was before I had really watched much Miyazaki and really had not dived into the world of 80s fantasy hardly <laughs> at all so it was it was an experience although even then i still felt the the story was a little on the on the thin side and subsequent subsequent viewings i still kind of felt that it's a beautiful world but the story of the original movie was a little bare bones yeah last time i saw it which was i guess about a year ago when we showed the youth we for various reasons I'm like, man, does just the puppetry and the and the world was amazing, but the story's just a little, not even I don't know, if it's slow or thin or there's just something. It doesn't. It's unfortunate that everything else is so vibrant and the story is kind of dull. Mm-hmm. I always found it a, an odd mixture of haunting and tedious. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is a weird mixture for a movie to be able to pull off, but it had that. And I think the Jim Henson company was aware of that because they definitely they brought in some a lot of people to really develop the story. Well, and then even develop the world of Dark Crystal. They didn't, they didn't building up their franchise for Dark Crystal in terms of books, uh graphic novels, video games now. Oh, yeah, now video games. I think I'm not sure if that's out yet, but it's but it's a tie into the series. Um, but they've been doing it for several years, and they've been trying to do a sequel to The Dark Crystal for years. I think I remember hearing all the way back when I was in college, they were trying to do things. If One time they uh, had the director of Samurai Jack was involved in a potential thing, but it just was stuck in development limbo for, for ages and ages. And uh, we're, we weren't sure if anything was ever going to come of it. And eventually, I think they actually did turn their script for a sequel to The Dark Crystal into a graphic novel series. 
Oh, have you read that? I have not. Okay. I'd be interested not. to see what a sequel would look like, too, actually. Yeah, I think it would be, it'll be quite different from what Age of Resistance is. Yeah, there's no more sure. Skeksis or yeah, Mystics. It, yeah, exactly. So it was about Jen and Kira basically reinvigorating the world, essentially. Thrall, yeah. Yeah, of Thra. Thra. Um, but this, they wound up doing a prequel series instead. So let's, with that background down, let's let's dive into it. What were what were your all general impressions of the show? Now, I guess since we've been talking a lot, let's start with Natasha. Well, first of all, and I feel like I should move away from Tim as I say this. I am not a huge Muppets fan. No, <laughs> heavy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you're, you're fine. Um, I I mean, I'm just not a huge Muppets fan. So when Nick suggested we watch it. And I saw the preview. I was like, eh, I'm not sure about this. But um, I got into it. Yeah. I Eventually, you start, you start thinking them as, uh, of them as characters and not so much as puppets, which is, I mean, that means they were done well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, where I could, you know, forget that, not completely forget, but mm-hmm. see them as a, as a style rather than, you know, be like, I don't know. Taken out of the world or something. Yeah. Yeah. I I think well first off, production design wise, yeah, they they nailed it. This is this is a beautiful looking show. It's amazing. I'm I'm always astounded that it happened. Yeah. That, that someone said, "Hey, we'll let you make a full what how many episodes in it? 10?" I'll draw. I should double check. Um, <laughs> but this full-scale world character, I mean, I feel like it's sort of like John Hammond from Jurassic Park, spared no expense. Yeah. Because it's just beautiful, and there's a lot of characters, and everything moves, and it has that kind of life all, everywhere that the f- movie had. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is the sort of thing people are like, oh, yeah, wouldn't it be cool if we got a sequel to this? Wouldn't it be cool if we did this again? And they actually did do this obscure, relatively obscure fantasy. Yeah, 10 episodes. But but yes, the fact that it wasn't just a movie, like, no, let's do a whole series of this. And they're like, well, okay. I, I think even the the Jim Henson company, did you ever watch it? I haven't had a chance to yet. No. Yeah, they, I think even they were a little shocked. They had done some tests of doing the Gelflings as CGI because they just thought people would be more open to a series because that's just more the, the norm. <laughs> but the, the people on Netflix were like, we don't want to do a CGI thing. What do you think about doing like a, a puppet series? And they about dropped the phone when they, were, <laughs> and um, yeah, so that is amazing. Now, puppetry wise, I've always felt the the weakness here is unfortunately the Gelflings, especially their 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 facial abilities are not as wide as the Skeksis. Yeah, which is unfortunate. And this has always been the case. When I was uh, this summer, I, I visited the Center for Puppetry Arts in Atlanta, Georgia, and they happened to have, because of the upcoming show, they had a dark, a special Dark Crystal uh, display out. And one of the videos, Jim was talking about how he had to be very careful when he was doing Jin for the, the first the movie, um, because, you know, he couldn't do some of the tricks that you would do with the Muppets. If Kermit wants to walk across screen, he just, Jim could just stand in one place and bounce his arm up and down and move across. But Jen, that wouldn't that just didn't translate realistically enough with mm-hmm. the realistic look of the puppets. He had to like physically walk, you know, across screen. And with the Gelflings, you still have some of that same problem because they're I mean, they look so good there and with H D cinematography wise, you know, the textures of their skin look so realistic and yet their mouths are still just so limited. You know, when we speak, our mouths have a lot of our lips have a lot of articulation. And you don't normally notice that with Muppets because it's a more abstract 
thing. It's a more abstract beast. You don't care if, it, mm-hmm. if it's just their mouth opening, opening and closing. But when you're having these tight close-ups on these much more realistic-looking creatures and they're just doing these, like, jaw movements, sometimes, I mean, usually you got into it, but if, like, sometimes it had been, like, a week since I'd watched an episode and get back to it, I'd have to, like, get back into the mindset. Whereas, like, things like the Skeksis, I never had that problem. And sometimes this is a really emotional, like, someone's yelling, a real emotional, it it comes out more than just normal talking. Like, the the Gelflings, like, their eyes are pretty expressive, like, facially, they're pretty expressive emotionally. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the mouths in certain scenes just didn't quite See, work. I think when I started watching it, maybe I noticed that. But once I got into the style, and I mean, I haven't seen a lot of Muppet stuff. I mean, I've seen the Muppets, but mm-hmm. once I got into it, that never even... Like, actually, I would have said the opposite. I would have said I was surprised by how much emotion... They had. I never felt like it. I never noticed that there, you know, it was just a jaw moving or something like that. That never even occurred to me because I was able to get enough into the story that I wasn't looking for those things anymore. And, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not looking at it from the same angle you are either. So I think actually the story helped it. um, That's fair. And that's good. That means the the, the magic was doing its its job. I mean, there is one downside somewhat when you're like someone like me that like, studies a lot of the techniques of these things like my brother-in-law dustin who is very much into video side even more than i am he felt like he wished that they had just done purely either purely puppetry or purely cgi because he was distracted anytime there was like a mix between the two Mm. and that kind of thing doesn't bother me nearly as much like he actually noticed that there are certain times when the puppet's eyes like the particularly gelfling's eyes were blinking and i wasn't sure Apparently, sometimes that was CG. Which, oh, really? Yeah, which I had no idea because I know that they they do have puppets that can blink. Yeah, but apparently there are certain cir- circumstances where they would. Oh, really? Enhance. Yeah, it. I never know. I wouldn't know anything. Like yeah, that. I would not have noticed that either. But certain people, apparently, if you're really deep into that stuff, would. So that's that's one downside. To this and kind and of I would agree with Natasha. The story was such a you know was such a complicated thing, and that the, all the characters had like motivations and. And the voice actors did a great job. You know, I don't know that any voice. I'm like, I, I kept thinking, what's how oh, drat? What's the guy's name? The guy Gelfling. Oh, um, I'm about to say Jim. That's the wrong. Yeah, I know. You as you said that, that's all I can think of now. Rian. Rian, like his voice was very distinct, and I really liked. I liked all of theirs, but I think it really helped. You just felt like they were real characters with real emotions, and mm-hmm. you know, they had heartbreaks and surprises, and and the scripting. I think help bring as much life to the world as it should have. One of the, uh, yeah, one of the, the script people involved was, oh, drip. I'm not going to be able to remember his name. Exactly. Javier. Javier Grillo. Yeah. Grillo Mar. He worked on Lost for a little bit. He worked on Lost for a bit. So And yeah. he's also known for The Middleman. You ever watch The Middleman? Oh. Yeah, he, yeah, I think he wrote the original comic and helped with the, with the TV okay. show. It's interesting. Which was a fun show. That's where... And we said earlier, they really did, they had worked on building up the mythology of Thra before the series, and then they really focused on making sure they had a good story for the series. And, I mean, yeah, they really did a great job with following the characters through all these things. I mean, Deet had a really tragic arc. Oh, man, yeah. Poor Deet. And then, the, whereas Brea, the princess arc, was you know had its own, like, family conflict. I thought, the, I thought, and that's interesting, the family conflict was very interesting. Early on, when they're throwing all these names at you, and then you see the three princesses, you're like, wait, which one is which? I mean, it took a while 
Like, the first couple episodes, you're just trying to catch up with all the names and creatures and types of Gelfling. Yeah, at first, for a while, I was thinking there were only three different kinds of Gelfling clans, and I realized, oh no, there are a lot, there's like seven of them. Seven, I think there's seven. Yeah, Yeah, and we're just seeing these particular ones the most. The more you're, it's really a world that you almost have to sink into to do a couple episodes to really, okay, Yeah. now I get it. At least I felt that way. And that's an interesting thing to be able to to get into because first Dark Crystal, there's none of there's no Gelflings. <laughs> no, there's, exactly. It's a you know it's a barren world in comparison to what this is. And we just say that Hup is awesome. <laughs> yes, Hup the the podling pa- paladin. The the podling paddle pal- Say that five times fast. <laughs> the podling paladin. Yes, with his spoon. He's he's fabulous. <laughs> so he brings a lot of fun. The uh, the podling bath scene is pure, like, <laughs> oh, yeah. pure Jim Henson silliness. And that was the other thing. And we mentioned this on our um, other podcast, Daryl Trains of Thought, is that it had the silliness of the pot, you know, the podling bathing, and then like just the deep darkness of the Skeksis. I mean, it would go. It had a lot of tonal variety. Yeah. Now the Skeksis, I, let's let's talk about. Okay, the let's talk about Skeksis. Skeksis are such a unique monster. Like the, uh, even the original movie, they got under my skin. Then they still got under my skin here. But like at the same time, I couldn't. Every time a Skeksis scene started, I was both excited and, and scared for whatever was going to happen because <laughs> they're they're so fascinating to watch. What did you think of the Skeksis, Natasha? Yeah, they're gross. <laughs> they're evil. Yeah. And and they like rep like it's almost refreshing just how like unbridled evil they are in some in some ways. I mean, not refreshing is not the right word. <laughs> Thank goodness for unadulterated evil. <laughs> but like, so I I know the the creators are were, always talk very fondly about. There's a scene in the original Dark Crystal movie where they're eating, and it's like this really gross out meal. And mm. I know they the creators talk about how much they had fun with that kind of stuff. So it's like. Of course, they're going to do another eating scene here. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like they also tried to find as many other ways to make the Skeksis as gross as mm-hmm. possible. Like, I did not need to see a, a scene of a Skeksis peeing. Yeah. It's like, you know, really? Really? <laughs> or just take, you know, the one with the, like, the, the snot pus. bubble pus yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I what I appreciate about the evil Skeksis, first of all, I also like that they're all very distinct, which is mm. fascinating. But it's, it's this sort of, you know, I was joking about unadulterated evil, but it's that sort of evil that's also just petty, like childish, like, childish. Like it, it's it reminds me of a scene from Paralandra where so Satan possesses this guy, and he's basically just like picking like legs off some creature and saying that like that's kind of what evil is, just kind of petty and childish almost like mm-hmm. it's not this sort of refined urbane way we get in most tv shows yeah it really is closer to skeksis and i, I told you this theory i had that the skeksis probably de-evolved over the course of time that they were separate from their better halves mm-hmm. we see a little bit of that in this show like in the beginning of the series they're trying to maintain appearances about, about being benevolent somewhat leaders yeah um, but then the farther they go, they're more like, no, let's just, let's just drink the ass, all their essence. And then only the Chamberlain has the, the probably because he hasn't been drunk on essence as much. Yeah. 
Um, the wherewithal is like, well, no, we need to like conserve our resources and do this slowly. And and we see like by the time we get to the actual movie, which Natasha hasn't seen this yet, but by that point they really are like basically in a much farther state of deterioration, mm-hmm. like yeah. body wise. I can't wise. imagine that. Oh, body wise, okay, because yeah, they're already so very uncontrolled. <laughs> yeah, but, but like we see in the case of the heretic, that he's kind of a good skexy. I mean, it's yeah. a weird thing that he's balanced out his worst parts of him mm-hmm. i mean he's still impatient with you know the, the he's still like the the rough version of the two of them yeah i've heard some people theorize about skeksis even from particularly from the original one one of their primary traits being ambition which ambition can be a good thing but obviously it has a very dark side they're like seeking after stuff mm-hmm. after and and in a way like agra Agra's great weakness in, mm-hmm. in working with the Skeksis was av- out of ambition of wanting to go explore the stars or yeah. or what what have you. So yeah, obviously the whole thing with Skeksis and mystics is kind of a yin yangy thing. Yeah, I mean, separating your good and evil sides. Well, Thra's philo- underpinning worldview is very like interconnectivity, and you know, mm-hmm. which I mean plays out pretty well. Thematically, I don't buy it as far as they want to push it, but it played out story-wise well. Yeah, I mean, I think that's always been the the other thing about Dark Crystal as as a movie and even as a series. That yeah, I, I've never been able to to buy into it as wholeheartedly as some people because the philosophy is is uh, not very deep <laughs> in, in in my perspective. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing is, is like much more understandable for something like Fraggle Rock or even the Muppets, you know, this kind of like respect for each other, which is great because their goals are are simpler. Mm-hmm. But when you're talk, dealing with these kind of high fantasy aspirations, I'm just like, well, this this world is beautiful. I wish it had a, a better meaning to go along with all this artistry that's being. And I, and I just got to say here, I mean, everyone knows it, but this, the puppet design and use on the Skeksis is oh. amazing. Well, it, it really is remarkable how long, how far they've come. Like, that's that's one that if you ever go back and, and see the movie, like, the Skeksis in the movie are certainly impressive. But there's things that they do on the show that they could never have done on that just because mm-hmm. of the, the m- number of people that it took to operate a Skeksis. Obviously, I think there's some shots with the hunter where he's like climbing through trees that are probably CGI. Yeah, yeah. But even then, even some of the other shots with the hunter where, he, I mean, he just moves around just with so much more fluidity. You can tell they've probably like found a lot uh, lighter materials in order to make them with. Mm-hmm. A lot sturdier. Like if you ever watch the um, the Jim Henson Creature Shop Challenge, which they did a few years ago, okay, yeah. which was basically a reality show about making creatures. There was one episode where they made Skeksis, and they were like, and I think that they each team made a Skeksis within the space of I want to say a week. Okay, maybe it was two weeks. I don't remember now. But being that's that's something that had taken them years to develop for the actual because when they made the first Star Crystal. They were inventing a lot of this stuff. Yeah. They were inventing everything. Like no one had done anything like this, and no one's done anything like this for a full fledged TV series either. Yeah, so yeah it's brand new. And and I'm glad they did the puppet, not the CGI, because that's kind of everyone does the CGI. But it's, there's such a it's a different feel, and it's a, and they they do it so well, you can completely buy into it. Mm-hmm. One of the other things that was really unique too about the way they did the series was also the cinematography. They talk, and this blew my mind when I realized when I watched the documentary about this. They did a lot of this stuff with steady cams. Mm, 
There, it's moving all the time. The, the camera is moving all the time, which you don't normally see with puppets because mm-hmm. the way you do puppets for film or TV is that you've got the puppeteers are looking at a monitor of themselves on camera. So they know where they are in the frame and how to move it. If your camera is moving along with it, that's another thing you have to keep in mind for how you move and and they not only did they do this on steady cam, apparently they sometimes had more than one camera going. <laughs> and I was like, "What? I've never." <laughs> so that that is pretty remarkable. And I mean, there was some stuff that yeah, I've never seen camera puppetry do. Or so and and having cool. the, having the moving cameras just adds even more of this activity to a world that could seem static. You know, because public's going to do too much. But when they're doing all that sort of stuff, you would see in a normal. In a normal show. Yeah. There's a lot more immediacy to it. Yeah. And that's one thing that I would feel is a little, I kind of miss from the, the old show. I mean, the immediacy is, is great in some ways. It's a new, like, yeah, you feel like it's there. But one of the things I liked about the movie a lot is it's kind of like, it felt old. Maybe that's mm. because it's made from, you know, early 80s. So that's just kind of part of the course. But the soundtrack kind of had this, like, you know, trumpets, this, like, much more older quality to it. And I know the soundtrack of this show, it tends to be a bit more primal, so I guess old in that sense. But it doesn't have that same sort of, like, mystic vibe to mm. it for me. It feels a lot more modern in a way. Now, I wonder, I think some of it might be the film style, but I wonder if some was just the first movie was so creature-wise, so empty. That's possible, I mean, you too. have societies and stuff. I mean, I think... I think it's certainly some of the filming style, but I wonder an old world feels older when it's more deserted to a certain extent, possibly. It could be. I mean, but I agree with the music in this. Yeah. Like choices. they only use the, the dark crystal theme, like at the very beginning and the very end of the series, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, dun, 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 it would dun, be, dun, 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 it would be dun, nice to use it more actually. Yeah. But I feel like it would have been out of, like, they had to include it because that is kind the of theme. tied up with the theme. But at the same time, I'm not sure how well it f- would have fit in with the season. You know? It's a, it's an odd... And that's the the one other complaint I would have mm-hmm. about this, this series is that the story was great, but the ending was lacking because it never really answered the question of what is the purpose of the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, aside from, obviously, cool characters, cool story, but, like, we know how this is going to end. Like, it's going to end with everyone dying. Yeah. So. Yeah, that was my, like, not that the last episode was bad, but the I did not much care for the last episode as a, as an ending. Because, first off, it kind of feels like it needs more, because it's kind of set up that way. Like, almost, it seems like they want another season. At yeah, least. yeah. And it doesn't feel like there's a resolution, and it's just, it's actually a pretty dark episode mm-hmm. in lots of ways. And it's a shame that such an interesting world you know is going to end just very badly. I don't know what sort of code of hope you put it on. It's not like you can say, and, I mean, I guess they try to do the, well, they all they all died, but they got the Death Star plans, Rogue One style. Mm-hmm. Well, they found the Dark Crystal, but it's not even going to do anything until, or the Shard. The, the, the Shard, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there, it's kind of similar in that there's, here's our hope that we're going to restore everything, but... It's gonna take a lot of a lot of deaths unless they reveal that tons of Geffling have been in hiding, and for some reason there's a reason why there's only two that can re- that have to. You know, we haven't actually seen the prophecy about the Geffling yet. I guess that's the main thing because mm. in the movie there's a prophecy about Jen and Kira who have to restore the crystal and all this stuff. Random question: but, 
these episode titles were very strange. Each episode title is a quote from the movie. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. But it was just like sometimes like, okay, but how did it was it was a little awkward, but I thought they must have been quotes from movies. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or from the movie. Nick and I have been talking a lot. Is there <laughs> is there been anything and I'm sorry, I we get into this routine. Is is there been anything that you wanted to throw in here that you agree or disagree with? No, I mean a lot of what you've been talking about is really not in my you know, it's just it's <laughs> The puppetry or the cinematography is really not my expert area of expertise. I mean, I agree about the ending, kind of. I don't. I haven't seen the movie, so yeah, I'm like it's kind of hopeless, isn't it? But <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. What was one of your favorite character arcs that you you thought was interesting? Um, I mean, I liked Deet's character arc. I thought uh, Agra was interesting. I was happy she finally got involved. <laughs> <laughs> She's kind of off on her own for a while trying to figure things out. She's a horrible leader of a planet. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that the what are the what, what are the spider creatures called? Oh. Spitters? Like that? <laughs> That's a good question. They like zombie spiders. The we are the oh, ascendancy. The ascendancy. Yeah. Right? I yep. think that sounds yeah. right. But that was interesting, the the combining, like, especially with the one princess, they combined so much with her that they couldn't be separated from her, mm-hmm. which was sad when she, wait, did she die? Yeah, she did die. She did die. Mm-hmm. The general killed her, killed her right? Uh-huh. Oh, the, okay. The third sister. Right. Not, not Celadon. Though Celadon, that was an interesting Oh, I couldn't stand her, but I'm glad she turned around finally. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> she went she like, went crazy. Seriously. I mean, and that was one of those things where when she finally realized that, you know, the Skeksis weren't gonna be logical. She couldn't appeal to their logic. They yeah. were just all like It was the first like yeah. three year olds. Yeah, it, it was, in that scene with her. Yeah, it was the first time you felt kind of sorry. For, yeah, because up to then you're like you're being an idiot. You're being, and then she's like in the middle of all of them, and like she just being. Oh, I was like, oh, oh, poor girl. <laughs> she's completely deluded. Yeah, there wasn't yeah. any any anything right about what she thought they were. She was. You are one hundred percent wrong. <laughs> <laughs> because she, I mean, as misguided as she was, she still felt like it was going to be the best way to. For the Gelflings, and they just work through sketchbooks, and they're like, no. Oh, I do have to say, though, the one scene that I loved, and I think Nick said you liked this episode too, Tim, was the puppet show within <laughs> the puppet show. Yes. The whole scene where the mystic and um, the heretic are like, <laughs> this is what will happen. And, oh, that was great. Yes, uh, that was that really was one of the best episodes, just because that... I don't know. I think at that point you really needed that kind of zany humor as as a relief. The hell are uh, naked? Look at my wonder. <laughs> and it's time for the opera. <laughs> <laughs> and Rian's like, uh. <laughs> it was awesome. That that scene was amazing. And yeah, and and when they told their their creation myth, essentially not not creation myth, like it, the, the the basically the fall myth, the fall, yeah, more like the fall of yeah of the fall of the Uruk sex, uh, which I think is there. Is that, is that the combined version? That's the combined race, the Uruk sex, I believe. Um, yeah, that was that was the time that it most harkened back into that kind of like ancient mythology mm-hmm. kind of vibe. More so, I felt like 
done most of the series. Can I say that the Archer and the Hunter were great additions? Mm, yes. Like, I did not expect that. They're not in the movie. No, well, we saw them die. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I did not expect a, a mystic to be kind of... They always uh, came off to me as sort of hermits. Yeah. And, the, yeah, the and, and I mean, not the archer was sort of a loner anyways. And the hunter being so actively out there, mm-hmm. it was just an interesting... That was a new, neat idea. Yeah. No, each of the each of the uh, new uh, Skeksis mystic editions they did were, were quite interesting. I mean, I guess we never saw the... Uh, oh, the, the general. The general's yeah. counterpart. Yeah. That's true. Which is unfortunate. Of course... The Chamberlain was fantastic. We were talking. Everyone always loved the Chamberlain. Oh, everyone's favorite Skeksy. <laughs> when he's in the carriage with Rianne that one time and talk about it's just it's just great that the conversation. I don't remember the details, but like he just says, "Well, we're right, and here's why you should listen to me." And he's such a good um, just planning and convincing, conniving and wheedling and whatever other synonyms they can use. The, he's the the yeah, the ultimate manipulator game mm-hmm. player. And, pe- and but he's like, you took my seat. <laughs> His own kind of pettiness. Yeah, that's why I was like, it seems like that. Where it's weirdly satisfying. You shouldn't feel satisfied about him murdering one of his compatriots, but it's like, yeah, this is what he would do. And probably taps into that part of us that's a little badly childish too. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, it's a shame we never really get to see a good, strong, mystic version of that. Do we? I guess the closest you could say, I mean, the hunter, like at least the hunter was. You mean the archer? Oh, yeah, sorry. That's true. The archer. The, yeah. Ar- the archer was, like, I mean, he. Self sacrificial. Self sacrificial. He did a, a very purposeful thing. Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, the mystics don't play a huge role in this to begin with. And I think that's. It's always interesting. Whenever people do, a, like, a good and a bad, the bad's always kind of proactive, and the girl's good's always just sort of, like, sit there. Just, They're yeah. not an act of good. They're just, like, a. Well, yeah, because the mystics are almost like Buddhists yeah. in a lot of ways. They're very much kind of separate and... Knowledge and... Which is interesting when considering... So at the end of... This is a spoiler, even Natasha, sorry. Okay. <laughs> the, but at the end of the Dark Crystal movie, the Skeksis and the mystics recombine. Okay. And yeah. so that's supposed to be... And that's kind of the redemption of Thra, essentially. The crystal gets healed. And um, so the idea is... It's not actually good for like the good and the bad to be separate, which is, eh. but I mean, it's, it's 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 its own perspective. Yeah, Marvel did that one time back when I was reading back like in the nineties, and there was like I think Thanos. There's some version of the Infinity War, but there was like a good version that came out, but it was like all just sort of that like justice good that was that was not more, actually and, good. and being bad, and so you need the balance. I mean, mm. Dungeons and Dragons, like the the Dragonlance books play that up like oh no we got to balance it out again i'm like no one in the world actually wants it balanced out (laughs) unless you define good and bad in a way different than i do which is usually what they do Mm. yeah even star wars plus played with that a little bit yeah the light and the dark and it has to be a balance Mm -hmm. although what that actually looks like is still kind of up for debate yeah (laughs) in star wars terms but well, we covered so, covered a lot of ground there. Augur- are those are those um, creatures that had the mouth shut? Was just really sad. Oh, are they in yeah, the movies? Yeah. I don't think so. And so that I mean, again, the last episode when they just like brutally murder them. Yeah, just a little. I'm like, oh. Well, you know, I I expected all along that the spiders would be when I saw their design. It's like, oh, they're gonna remake those into the um, what are those things they called? The Garethan. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what they're called. 
But I thought, because like when they had that carriage, they had those like little rolly things. I thought they were going to, the spiders were going to be mixed with those oh, things okay. somehow because the Garethan do kind of like, they kind of have that like roll out. They're kind of like droidicas. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> in yeah. some way. They never thought about that till just now. But they have that like, they roll into action and then they're suddenly like crabs that are ready to like. I wouldn't be surprised George Lucas was inspired by Dark Crystal, honestly. Yeah. It runs, it's his style of. It's possible. Yeah. I, I could see that in some ways. I mean, he did work with Jim Henson on Labyrinth. Yeah. So, and say Mother Agra, or just Agra, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll say, yeah, she's she's not the best leader, but she's a she's a fun character. Oh, she's a mm-hmm. she's very entertaining. Like as a caretaker for Thraw, not the greatest, but she means well, and she's she's a funny character. Her eye that she sends <laughs> off with the little creature, so it could spy for her. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> The the idea that she's kind of the caretaker of Thrall is something that I think got developed when they were doing their books and stuff. Because she doesn't really talk like that in the movie at all. Mm, yeah. So I, I think that's an idea that got developed later. And it's an interesting idea, but it almost makes you wonder a little bit about the if she just forgot. <laughs> if, if she was had her own kind of like de-evolving. Yeah, maybe. This. I mean, it, in that way, Dark Crystal kind of has a, a similar vibe to like your... Lord of the Rings stuff, where it's like the 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 olden times that faded, and passing away, passing away. I mean, I don't time know. for a second, third age of Gelfling kind. <laughs> That's probably not intentional at all, but <laughs> you you could read that into it, yeah. I think. But so it was very, it was a very enjoyable series. Yes, yeah, I wish would anyone would have been a little different, but although I I'd highly recommend it to anyone who likes fantasy of any sort. Uh, Especially pretty complicated. I mean, very deep fantasy. Yeah, it, it really does feel like high fantasy. High fantasy, that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, um, in a completely different kind of setting and in a completely different format than any other fantasy TV out there. Yeah, it's a very unique world. I mean, I've, I saw some people online call it like a uh, quote-unquote family-friendly Game of Thrones. <laughs> I'm like, it's not family-friendly. Like, this would scar my kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, when yeah. the guy's eye gets... I, no, like... The problem is that some some people show their kids like horror movies way too young, and so that if you're in one of those kind of families, yeah, sometimes people say, "Oh, when they say family friendly, what they mean is there's no sex or drugs in it." I think, <laughs> or language, or which, language, which I, like language is my least concern in most cases. But mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I could I could not imagine what showing this to. Uh, my kids would have nightmares. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, some might not, but I mean, the Skeksis are. Yeah, yeah. The the whole thing with the the peeper beetle. Oh yeah, that that ooh, that gave me shivers. Yeah. So yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> or the the uh, what's the other scary scene? I was the uh, the fight with the hunter. With That's the, pretty. With the, like, oh, the gobbly things that gobbly eat Rian's, gra- Rian's dad. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that's hardcore. That's intense. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess that falls under, like, your Grimm's fairy tales kind of stuff. I guess so, yeah. If you want to look at it that way. But you don't have to watch it when someone reads it to you. Well, true. <laughs> There's some grotesque descriptions. Uh, no, but, Grimm's fairy tales is pretty dark. Don't but, get me wrong. But it is, yeah, it is slightly different. Anyway, so that was a very interesting series. I knew we had a lot to say about it, so that's why I was like, this has to be its own separate thing. <laughs> but uh, it will be interesting to see what they do if they uh, wind up doing a second season. I really have no idea how. It's hard to tell with Netflix shows how popular they are, I feel. Yeah. So time will tell. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed this discussion. We're still doing stuff on the Weekly Hijack. I don't know exactly where this fall- will fall out when I get it edited and what else is going on, but uh, be sure to stay tuned to this feed. 
Until next time, this is Tim. This is Nick. And Natasha. Bye-bye.